In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Froen, your host of Vermont Viewpoint at WDEV here in Waterbury, Vermont. In our continued coverage of uh, March 5th, uh, election day coming up, uh, municipal elections. We're talking with, uh, people who are running and issues in their towns all over the state. And, uh, we are up in St. Albans now with David McWilliams. David, you're running for the, uh, two-year seat and the three-year seat. What, what brought that decision to run for two seats? Well, basically, you know, I, I was trying to find somebody else to run for the three-year seat, and I couldn't find anybody. One, they didn't have the time. Two, uh, they were upset with the select board and what they were doing. Uh, you know, I also asked Pat Vincent, who uh, is very vocal in our town, and uh, she doesn't have the time. She's involved with the church. So when I couldn't find anybody to run, I figured my chances were better if I took and went after both the two-year term and the three-year term and hope and pray that I would get one, uh, one of those. Uh, and if I won one, if I won both positions, as you know, under Vermont law, you can't handle, uh, can't hold two positions. So I would probably go with the three-year term and serve the public for, uh, as far as the taxpayers for the three-year term. Because it's very hard, and a lot of people are disgusted with politics. My philosophy is the only way you can trust a politician is you put them on a lie detector with a 220 line, and you'll keep them honest. Mm-hmm. Sounds like like something I haven't seen, but uh, very interesting. Now, the uh, there's talk about uh, a fire department need. The town has a need for a fire department, and and the city is having the same rumblings. What What are your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, uh, the town fire station has been there many years. What they need to do is do a study, which they are in the process of now, uh, have a structural engineer go down and go through that whole building and determine what the needs are and if we do need the new building. Talking to the fire chief, Bobby Cross, and uh, Mr. Sweeney, uh, that we do need a new fire station. But we also need to do is also get water down from Adam Street down to the the fire station because there's no main source of water for that fire station down at, on the lake road. Uh, there is property available next door to it, which it belongs to the cemetery. And I, I've talked to a couple of people and they're willing to take and uh, take and sell it. You know, we have a lot of LOT money, which is coming in, and that would be a major asset to take and uh, put a new fire department down there on the lake road with a new building. Uh, in reference to uh, the LOT money, that can be used to help it out. Uh, so that would you know, help defray some of the cost. One of the things, you know, I'm going to give an example. Uh, the city has about $2 million in assets as far as fire equipment. And the town has about between 8 and $10 million worth of assets. That's fire equipment, you know, and all their apparatus. 
uh, I don't think Dominic Cloud would take and buy into St. Albans Town knowing that, you know, we have a lot more assets in the fire station. The town and city fire departments work very good together. They uh, do an outstanding job. Uh, the fire on Bank Street, uh, probably 50% of our equipment was up there from St. Albans Town working on that fire. It's good teamwork. Uh, there's a lack of firemen now because uh, it takes so long to be certified as a fireman that, you know, both the city and town should work together by using their men to help each other in, in, in any town fire. So you, I'm hearing you're not advocating for a merger of the two fire departments, just have mutual aid to each other? I I, I support the fact that they have mutual aid and they – of course, all the other cities and towns have the same thing. You know, uh, merger may come after me and you, Brad, have passed away. But right now, uh, the, the town is in good financial standing. And uh, uh, most of our, 100% of our bills are probably paid. And uh, if we take and, uh, you know, spend too much of the, the taxpayers' money, then it's going to mean a lot to the taxpayers where – a lot of senior citizens that are on fixed incomes and maybe small pensions and we're going to be able to stay in their house. They're going to have to sell it. And, you know, and it's too bad that that'll happen, but the taxes since 2014 to 2024 have gone up every year. And the, uh, this sort of precedes you, uh, somewhat. Uh, it looks like St. Albans town is going to have a uh, city police force uh, when when the uh, current sheriff contract expires. Uh, how does that look to you? Well, I think, you know, sooner or, later, sooner or later we had to look at having a police department, whether, you know, we should have had our own or whether we should have gone with the city. Right now, the major part of our budget increase in St. Albans Town is over $1.2 million just in law enforcement. Uh, compared to when we were only paying 536000 I think we have, because it's already on the ballot and because of the, uh, the uh, sled board is already okayed, I think it's a wait and see and see how it comes. If it works out good, you know, then, uh, then we'll stay with it. But, you know, I just hope that, uh, you know, we get the services that we need in St. Town to cover our minimal crime of, you know, uh, B&Es, stolen vehicles, suicides and deaths like that. And if the voters don't approve this um, ballot item, does that mean that it's up for grabs of whether there would be a contract with the sheriff's department again, or is it sort of a foregone conclusion that uh, St. Albans Town is heading to city policing? Well, you know, if it goes down in defeat, then they'll have to put out a bid again to, uh, for services through the Sheriff's Department or the City Police Department uh, to find out if uh, we can meet the, the cost of law enforcement. As you know, the crime in Franklin County is going up. Uh, stores have been robbed and stuff like that, So, and houses and cars have been stolen. So it's all related to a lot of crime, drugs, alcohol, and you know, substance abuse. So, you know, we have to have law enforcement. It's just that, you know, whatever the taxpayers can afford. One of the things I read uh, in in your uh, campaign uh, notes is you want to bring respect to the to the uh, council. What, what do you mean by that? 
Well, I've been in several meetings, you know, and uh, they give you a two to three minute uh, time. If you come up and sit at the table in front of the select board, they give you two to three minutes, maybe sometimes four. You know, uh, and you're a taxpayer of this town for many, many years, and you're only given a short amount of time. Is they're disrespectful. You know, uh, there's two gentlemen on the select board that have been there for a while. They take 10 to 15 minutes, but you're only you're only taxpayer that's paying. You know, the budget. You know, only gets two or three minutes. If I get on the select board, uh, I will try my best to get rid of that rule. That in reference to you know only giving you a short period of time. Plus, they have to pay thousands of dollars in taxes. And they sometimes they you know they the school thing here where the old uh, town clerk's office they talked about you know somebody buying it uh, which is public knowledge and it's Mitch Montaigne and then a school a Catholic school be put in there. Well, the town the select board uh, should have had an attorney involved with it from the first start to you know get uh, the facts about the town school. Put a for sale sign out in front of the uh, the, the old town hall where where you really want to put a Catholic school, and uh, that way you know everybody would have had a fair shake. You know that septic system is about twenty to thirty twenty people down there. You know because you know we had around sixteen employees down there, but they want to put thirty to forty uh, kids in there plus you know the teachers. So the septic system doesn't meet the standards you know for that to be done down there. Miss Montang offered a uh, offer on the, the building because no one was wanted to buy it. Made an agree, a verbal agreement with the town manager, and and then all of a sudden that fell apart because the public knew what was going on, and uh, they they should have been more out out uh, out front transparency with the taxpayers. And then we had a couple of meetings that were forty to fifty people there. The were to the old town hall. We're talking with David McWilliams. He's running for the uh, select board in St. Albans Town. And for the two-year seat and the three-year seat, we've got about a minute left. David, is there anything, uh, one last comment you want the, the St. Albans Town voters to know? Well, I'm a very well-outspoken person. I won't lie to you. I'll tell you just the way it is. I'll do my research. I won't have anybody on the slug board try to lead me around by my nose. And I will do uh, do my diligence to make sure that I represent the taxpayers of St. Albans Town. I also want to thank this radio station and you uh, for giving me the time and your viewers. If you have any questions, feel free to call me at 802-752-8522, and I'll answer any questions honestly. Well, David McWilliams, good luck in your uh, bid for uh, the uh, the select board, and uh, we'll be reporting results uh, Tuesday night. Thanks for being on my show. Thank you very much, and I appreciate your viewers. Good morning, and welcome back. This is Brad Furlan, your host, Vermont Viewpoint, here at WDEV in historic Waterbury, Vermont. Uh, in our continued coverage of uh, political races and issues around the state. Uh, we were talking earlier with Chris Polarmo, who's over in Morristown, his second bid for select board race, two-year term, and David McWilliams up in St. Albans Town uh, running for the two-year and the three-year term for uh, the, the select board there. 
And now I want to welcome to the show Sarah Carpenter. Welcome. Thank you, Brad. It's great to have you here. Sarah, you're running for the Burlington City Council race for re-election for Ward 4. Yes, that's right. Uh, Ward 4 is out in the New North End of Burlington. And New North End always confuses me. <laughs> I'm, I'm an old Burlington boy, but I never know where you're talking about. Well, it took me a while. Uh, for the listeners, Brad and I grew up in a very similar neighborhood in town, and I had no knowledge of the new North End. It was just somewhere out there. But it's past where Burlington High School is, and my particular district is on the west side of North Avenue, which is on the lake side. Where, when I was a little kid, there was a great bakery in that shopping center. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We used to um, try to quickly skip out of high school for a break and see if we could run over and get raisin cookies. Yeah, and speaking of high school, there once was one, and then there isn't, and there will be again, right? Yeah, so I'm so pleased with going back there, but right now we have a big pile of bricks. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Um, so you are a lifelong Burlington resident. Yes. And uh, what were the influences? Uh, we were talking off air. It's Sometimes city council meetings can be a little challenging. What, what, Burlington, yes. What, um, what were the role models or how did you get involved? Why did you want to? <laughs> well, I had a, a long career uh, in human services and affordable housing. Um, I retired as um, director of the Vermont Housing Finance Agency in 2019 and took a year off and thought, I really want to do something for my city. And I've had a lot of experience in government and there was an opening uh, in my district, and I thought, well, I could do that, and so ran in 2020. Now, little did I know about this thing called COVID, uh, which started like the week after I was elected, um, so that gave me a pretty challenging first few years in my term and, uh, as a city councilor. Yeah, I'm reminded of uh, Senator Chittenden, who mm-hmm. uh, represents uh not Burlington now, I don't think. But he does a part of the South End of Burlington. Part of the South End, yeah. He he was all excited getting elected, yeah. and all of a sudden he couldn't even go to Montpelier. Yeah. <laughs> so you were home doing yeah, council well, meetings? Um, yeah, I, I think my first meeting was on Zoom, and um, which would have been in, around April of 2020. And um, I hadn't been active in the, the council prior to that, so it was a really really steep learning curve to both get to know my colleagues, get to know the issues, and do it all on Zoom, which, of course, was new for everybody at that time. And what was the impact that you recall on uh, public participation at that point? Well, you know, it was interesting because spring of 2020 was also um, the time when we had the George Floyd murder. We had all of the um, discussion in Burlington about our police force, and, uh, you know, we we went back and forth in terms of what was on Zoom, what wasn't, because I think there were different protocols. We had a little um, downtick in COVID, and we'd have a meeting, and then it was an uptick. Um, I think in a fashion, Zoom has really increased participation. I mean, it certainly makes it easy to sit home and do it through your computer, and you can turn yourself off and walk around and, you know, go get a snack and then come back and watch us. You turn off your audio and you can listen and multitask. So I I think in many ways it's actually increased participation. I have 
been guilty of microwaving coffee during <laughs> important meetings. Uh, just going to confess. So part of your experience when, when you were involved in your professional career, you, you were in Montpelier a lot as yes. well. Yeah, the Vermont Housing Finance Agency has always had its offices in Burlington. I think that goes way back to the days when you did banking in person. But a big part of my job as the executive director was working with the legislature. So when they are in session, I spent almost all my time in Montpelier, you know, either working with legislators or other state off, um, state agencies. And do you feel like that was sort of the training ground? Absolutely. I mean, in one way, yes, and in one way, no. I mean, it really brought up the whole public policy process. How do we pass laws, legislation? How do we learn to negotiate with each other? So I absolutely learned a lot. I think municipal politics is a different realm. It's really personal. You're on one-to-one it's your next door neighbor and you know they often have opinions and um i think there's a sense that you know your city councilor and you go to them first and often people come to me with issues that are really statewide issues um but i'm their first point of contact because they know who i am and you have a ward system in burlington yes uh it's really interesting because I, I've heard in South Burlington where they have counselors at large yep. that the larger neighborhoods sort of can dictate um, sort of the control of the council. Uh, how does it work in Burlington? Do you, do you like the ward system? I think I do. We had, you know, we just had um, re- reapportionment with, with the census change. And so we had to look at wards and, we had quite a discussion about how many counselors. We have a odd little system where we have dis- districts and wards. And that in- really is driven to keep the council not larger than 12, but you got to manage neighborhoods. There was a strong, strong sense that people still wanted a neighborhood system. We discussed having counselors at large. In some ways, that would have been easier with the reapportionment. But um, I like being able to know kind of, who my constituents are. And Burlington's big enough that that might be hard for me to know folks in the South End if I'm in the North End and, you know, where their kids go to school or or don't go to school, all of that kind of thing. So it has pros and cons. I think you run into issues where you have a citywide issue and there's a difference of opinion between neighborhoods and how do you negotiate that? What what do the folks in my neighborhood want versus another neighborhood and how do you get to yes on that? And that that can create problems. You, with a 12-member council, yeah. right, you, you really do have a lot of negotiation to get to a conclusion. Absolutely. I mean, 12 is a large board. Um, there were some who wanted it larger. There were some definitely who wanted it smaller. And it, it does um, make it challenging. And, you know, Burlington has a very diverse um set of citizens, which is a good thing, but being mindful, we're being, we're tremendously influenced by the university and the university students, which um, are eligible to vote. So that provides a different, even a different dynamic than I think you find in many other cities, particularly in Vermont. It is an interesting factor because they, they are making sometimes longer term decisions about a short term stay. Uh, yes. And that's, Hard to read through. I work in a neighborhood that probably has more long-term residents. Um, 
And, you know, how do you judge what's going to affect those residents versus folks you're somewhat sure may be transitional? Burlington, unlike other cities, has uh, a lot of renters. Most towns in the state are about uh, one-third renters, two-thirds homeowners. Burlington's the opposite. We're two-thirds renters, one-third homeowners. And things get looked at differently from that point of view. And is that a lot of the influence of the colleges? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a housing crisis like all of Vermont, but it's particularly acute because of the influence of the university students. Uh, The mayor has been my guest um, several times, and he has talked about housing. Is that something – is there potential for housing in Burlington still? Absolutely. Actually, last night, one of the things we – um, we had three significant housing um, reviews. One is in the south end over by um, Hulu or what some of us growing up over by the old GE plant down on Lakeside. And there's a huge amount of surface parking there and just open land. So we've rezoned that. And that will be, could be, a 1,000 new homes over time. And a huge amount of Champlain wants to put some working classrooms down there. Hulu um, will maybe expand. So that's very exciting. We looked at a, a memorandum of understanding around the Memorial Auditorium, which we're struggling with the right mix there. Um, we've got two local developers, which we're very excited about. And that will have significant housing as a component of that. And then we're doing something called the Neighborhood Code, um, which will open up zoning all through Burlington um, on single-family lots and smaller lots. The legislature last year passed a bill, I think it was referred to as S-100 or Act 47, which basically says you no longer can zone out multifamily housing. Wherever you might have had um, a single-family lot, you can build up to four units and so we've actually been working on that for a while, and we're just at the cusp of passing this uh, uh, ordinance that will allow much more kind of infill development. And Act 250, is that a big issue, or are you sort of working through that? Well, it's an issue in the sense that it's a redundant process. Right now, um, the legislature has a bill that it's considering, I can't remember the name, it's sort of the sister to the last year's um, S100, I think it's B Home or, or something like that, and it will hopefully will allow cities like Burlington that have a robust Act 250, uh, robust review process to not have to repeat Act 250. So, from our perspective and the developers, it's a very redundant process, and I'm hoping we can reduce that. We are talking this morning with Sarah Carpenter, uh, lives in the Old North End, city of Burlington. New North End. New North End. <laughs> so there's an old, a new, and that's the, confusing a south, as well. We didn't used to have old and new either. <laughs> I'm old, so I can't even remember old or new. Uh, so you're um, running for re-election in Ward Four, and the when I uh, was talking earlier with. Chris Polarmo, who's running for a Morristown Select Board race, he was saying, you know, Morristown is really a service industry. You know, the municipal government is about service, right. and um, staffing is something that seems a priority to you. It, it absolutely is. Um, not maybe so dissimilar, but 
we're obviously a much bigger community. So we have all the same struggles that other employers have of recruiting staff. I mean, we have a significant um, public works department. Um, We've got, you know, parks department, our other enterprise um, services, and staffing is a struggle, and most predominantly within our emergency services departments, particularly the police. Um, We've lost a lot of folks through attrition. We had a veteran force, and a lot of folks made a decision to retire or move on, which is not is happening in all in law, law enforcement. But now our ability to recruit folks is really impeded by the market, people's interests. Um, so we're struggling. We had a real period where was a, a um, the headcount was sort of forced down. We now have set a higher number. But for example, our goal is to get 87 sworn officers. Um, and we're only um, targeting 77 for this fiscal year because we just know we can't um, recruit that many. We can't get them through the police academy, which is also an impediment for a lot of communities. Um, we've added quite a few non-sworn officers like community service officers, community service li- liaisons who can, can pick up the slack. But even those are difficult for us to hire. We're just not getting as much interest. And some of that shift is also what they're dealing with within your city and and, and areas across Vermont, the substance use addiction mm-hmm. and poverty, homelessness, all of that. Absolutely. Um, I've been in housing one way or the other for 45 years. This is truly the worst I have ever seen it. Um, and it's fueled by a lot of things. It's clearly fueled by substance use disorder, which I think – um, just ballooned during the COVID period. And now with the addition of drugs like fentanyl and other synthetic drugs that are just so addictive, um, it's, it's a real crisis. I think for Burlington in particular, that sort of caused people to um, drift to a more central point. I mean, it's hard enough to be unhoused anywhere in this state, um, but you're probably less likely to stay unhoused in a rural area. You're going, you're going to want to come where perhaps there's other people like you, uh, even if all you're doing is sleeping in a tent outside. And I think the same thing with those with substance abuse disorder. They will drift to where there's like folks, where, where you can buy drugs, among other things. Um, so it's been a confluence of Burlington, I think, being particularly hard hit with um, the advent of those problems. We did a lot during COVID to keep people housed, and then it, then it just stopped. And so, and it's, sadly may stop again. If the, if the governor and the legislature end the motel voucher program, we're going to see a big uptick in the unhoused. And that sort of got a reprieve. It lengthened a little bit. Yes, it did. And um, at the advocacy of many, including Burlington, we got a reprieve, but now there's a discussion again about ending that program, and I just think, particularly for Chittenden County, where we've actually got some good infrastructure, we've got a a very active, what's called continuum of care, where we have caseworkers who will work with the unhoused, but it takes months and months to find permanent housing. We We also have the lowest, by far, vacancy rate, so you can't just go from a tent to an apartment, we need time to help those folks. Longer-term planning. Yes. Yeah. And we we seem short of longer-term planning. Um, 
the legislature, to give them lots of credit, has really invested a lot in permanent housing, but that's two to five years off before it gets built, and we need capacity today. We're talking with Sarah Carpenter. Uh, she's in Burlington running for a Ward 4 city council seat. If you want to join the discussion, give us a call, 802-244-1777. We'd love to um, have your call and, and have you weigh in on uh, the issues that we're talking about. Uh, so, Sarah, you have a mayoral um, government. Yes. <laughs> and you have 12 councillors. Uh, the mayor is essentially the city manager. Yeah, really, um, it, it's a strong mayor system. Um, they serve really as a CEO of the city. We do have a fairly strong city council system, but you're right. They, the mayor would cover all of the functions that a city manager would and more. And uh, Moreau Weinberger is not um, seeking re-election, so you will on March 5th. Sometime after seven, and who knows how many hours into the morning, <laughs> yes. uh, you'll have a new mayor. Yes. And, and what does that mean to you as a counselor? Well, it, it's going to be a big change. Moreau was mayor for 12 years. I've served with him for four years. So any change like that is going to, is going to be a big change. Um, I, I'm hopeful the Democrats will continue to um, have the majority and we'll be working with a Democratic mayor. That's critical for us to get things done. And Burlington, um, at times, can be very separated and divided. And I think we've just got so much work on our plate that we've all got to work together. And I hope we can – we have a uh, public safety plan and a police rebuilding plan. I want to keep working on those. Those are really critical. Like a lot of communities, we also have a, a lot of financial stress – as you well know, we've got that new high school, which is not insignificant. Um, we had no choice, but that's a big hit to the city financially. And so I think next year and next couple of years will be challenging as we um, stop using the federal COVID money and move back to our own systems and then layer onto it um, our need for the new school. So uh, Joan Shannon joined me as my guest, uh, and her campaign platform is all hands on deck. Are, are you seeing in the city a, a feeling that uh, people need to come together? Do you have some optimism about that? I do. I mean, I think um, change will, will drive some of that. I think there is um, an interest in getting things done, and I think we – you know, I think it's always easier to be disparate in the beginning of a conversation. And I think everybody, no matter what political party, um, now understands how serious public safety is. Being fueled by things really out of the control of the city. I mean, we are not a human service agency. We're not a housing agency. We desperately need more state support. It's the state that controls those funding and those programs. And so that hopefully will force us to work together. You know, I think there's ambition about more massively tackling some of the underlying programs. That's what I spent my life's work in. But that's harder to do at a municipal level. We really got to pull together. And actually, I would love to see a lot more conversation regionally. Um, I think we're weak on that. We're, we're weak in that in Vermont because we don't have county governance. And 
um, somehow we've together got to spend more time on that. Interesting. And on uh, policing, you went through a phase where, you know, police funding was was sort of brought down and and then it started going up again. Is, is that where you see will, will you be able to support as many hires as needed in the future? I hope so. As I said, right now our struggle is we literally can't find people. So we're over 10 positions short on the sworn officer side simply because we can't get them through the academy fast enough and uh, find qualified candidates. You know, the 87 number came from a very in-depth study, um, but that's now over two years old, and subsequently in that same period of time we've had such an increase with the unhoused and those with um, substance use disorder, so that may not be the right number. Um, so I think we could come together on the on the initiatives, you know, certainly particularly on the staffing side. Um, you know, it's what kind of surrounds that that we still may have differences. So I was a Edmonds Junior High School student. My grandparents helped my mother buy a house on South Willard Street for about forty thousand dollars, <laughs> and it's worth well over a million dollars now. Affordability is a big word. It, it's buzzing everywhere. Yeah. What, what does that mean to you? Burlington is... Uh... I mean, we have a sort of a mixed double-edged sword because it's a very attractive city. People desire to live there, which raises um, property values a lot. Um, and we just plain don't enough have enough substitute or additional housing. I'm hoping in the South End District we'll get more... Memorial Auditorium, we have a significant new development in off North Avenue where the old St. Joseph's Orphanage is. So we're doing a lot in addition to this neighborhood code. So, you know, straight all economics will tell you that um, supply or more supply should reduce um, costs some, but I'm, I'm not totally optimistic that's how you get there. You know, at the end of the day, most of the, quote, affordable housing we had has some level of governmental s- subsidy. And the city itself doesn't have that level of investment to put in. We, we're going to need help. And it's hard to get that affordable affordability down there. We have such a deficit from almost decades of not building, um, so we've got a lot of work to do. You talked about housing and uh, a little bit about neighborhood code. What What is that going to mean to to people who potentially want to locate in Burlington? Well, I clearly hope it's more opportunities. We have a big um, uh, development out off North Avenue called Cambrian Rise, which is the, where the old Burlington College and St. Joseph's Orphanage was. I talked about the South End District down by um, the old Innovation Center, Hulu, the DE Center. Neighborhood code is something we've had on the radar for a few years, and it's really supposed to reflect. In the 70s, I think, there was a lot of down zoning. Everyone wanted a big single-family house with their own big yard, and we really made it uh, very difficult, if not impossible, um, to have smaller lots, have smaller units, have duplexes. And so the intent of the neighborhood code is, is to really incent that to allow you to take your um, old single-family, not old, but single-family law and add units. And be mindful that this is part of a statewide initiative. So everybody in the state is going to see movement that way. 
Um, so I think that if we're creative, we'll allow a lot of opportunity for, you know, two, three units um, to be put in very different lots. And I'm excited about that. I hope that's the way we can hit a little more affordability because you don't have to be a deep pocket developer to do a, you know, two, three, four, even eight unit project. And that's what the neighborhood code is targeted at. Interesting. And you had a lot of regulation around the looks of buildings and historic preservation okay. of, of homes and stuff. It, did, do you still maintain character or is this going to send Burlington kind of a different way? Well, that's sort of a double. I think we definitely will uh, maintain historic preservation. I think that's a high value and we need that. There's sort of a vagueness to character of the neighborhood. What does that mean? And there's been both changes in Act 250 statewide and locally about you don't change the character just if you add people. And it used to be that, oh, my goodness, you're putting a rental property next to a home ownership property. Oh, that would change the character. And so we've definitely moved away from that. Um, there still will be some design review standards. So looking at setbacks in front yard and backyard and you know, how that looks. But I think what we're going to lose, and I, I think this is a good thing, is we're not going to be so exclusive. Like, whether you own it or rent it, that doesn't change the character. It just introduces different neighbors. The design uh, things we probably need to pick away at. Now, Memorial Auditorium, you mentioned that uh, historically was a venue for really amazing performances yes. for forever and ever. We heard a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, and... When did it sort of, uh, sort of shift? It was in disrepair. Was that really its downfall? Absolutely. I mean, really since the 90s, the city's been struggling with how do we repair it? We had a bond issue that failed. There was not the political will to sink the money in from the city side to repair it. And unfortunately over time, it just, um, got in disrepair. It sits over, if, if you know Burlington, this huge sewer ravine, which we're now just starting to repair. And so, among other things, the foundation was significantly um, jeopardized, and that caused us to close it down. In that same era, we put out several RFPs to private businesses and just couldn't catch a partner. Nothing seemed feasible, in part because we first have to repair that ravine sewer, which we are now doing finance some through TIF. And then the other thing is we had to go out and bond for the new high school significantly, which has left the city with really no capacity to bond to repair that and take it on as a public thing. I know people would love it to be an open performance civic center space. We just simply do not have the capacity to do that. And given our need for housing, I think it's a site probably better used for housing than, say, a civic center. So that's kind of where we are today. Um, I'm thinking it will be significantly housing, perhaps a hotel, and maybe some small amounts of civic center, but not not the old memorial that we all remember. We'll try to save the facade if we can, but that even that may be difficult. Mm-hmm. Is there potential for us? Uh, actually, I'm going to go to the phone lines. Okay. Uh, we have a caller. Michael from Waitsfield, uh, welcome to the show. Hi. So I agree with everything she says, and I understand all these problems. 
But I think there is a big problem that we're fooling, trying to fool ourselves when we talk about affordable housing. That's not the real term. That's not the right term. There, because there is no such a thing as affordable housing. The, the plumber and the electrician and all the workers, they all have to make X amount, X amount of money. There is cost shift housing where somebody else is going to pay for, for a big part of the house, which might be a necessary thing. But I, I, I think we should talk in, in, in reality. Affordable housing sounds like the world's greatest thing. What the hell does that mean, affordable? I mean, somebody else is paying for your house. And, um, and I, I think that's not good for the problem. That makes the problem worse. All right. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate the call. And, and I, I will agree. I mean, I do think more supply will lower some of the cost. But we're looking at $450,000, $500,000 to build a unit. Just do the math. You know, that cost plus taxes, heat, and all that, you end up with a high number. So the caller's not wrong that um, to get it really affordable, we have to put some other resources, and that's usually taxpayer resources. So I think we've got to hit it both ways. If we can increase supply, hopefully the market will look at it. But we're so behind, we're probably not there yet. And then we need the public resources um, to make it truly affordable. It's uh, it's a big challenge yeah. statewide, uh, and certainly in Burlington. Um, quality of life, what what does that mean to you? What what are your goals there? Well, that's everybody's interest to have a strong quality of life. You know, Burlington has um, been sort of besieged with a number of un- unhoused, and we need to deal with that. I think Burlington is still a great, fun city. Um, we got a lot going on. We, we do have a good quality of life. We have the lake bordering us. So there's a lot going on. But change is hard for folks. Things aren't like they were 20 years ago. Um, the drug use problem is so in the open, and we're, and that's scary. It's very scary to people. Um, and we have more c- crime. Like most communities, it's just not in Burlington. So we've got a lot to tackle um, but I hope we could work harder together on that. So on that note, uh, Chris Palarmo was saying the same thing, that uh, Morristown has had challenges yeah. and political divide yeah. and stuff. But he's optimistic. Are, are you feeling good? I am. I feel like we're at a better place in the city, that we're more aligned with each other. I do think we have the tension of the legislatures or me a lot of them, because it's not just a Burlington problem. And that's been a little too slow for me, but I think we're now getting more attention, and um, and I'm I'm not glad of it, but I'm glad the state as a whole can look a little, a little bit more broadly and not just say, oh, that's Burlington. Talking with Sarah Carpenter, running for Ward 4 in Burlington. Uh, we only have about a minute. Sarah, any final uh, words about um, running and uh, how things are going to go? Well, I, I'm optimistic that we can get uh, a council and a mayor who work together. I encourage you all to come to Burlington. Don't read everything you get about Burlington in the press. We have a lot of great events going on. It's still a fun city. It's a great place to live. Um, so take advantage of that. Long-time, lifelong resident Sarah Carpenter, thanks for joining us. Uh, good luck on 
uh, March 5th. Thank you. Brad. And we can't wait. We'll be reporting uh, results uh, uh, Tuesday night here at WDEV. So listen in for results all around the area. We'll see who the new mayor is and Rep uh, Council Member Sarah Carpenter. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, nice to have yeah. you here. Uh, Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV. Hope you have a great Tuesday and uh, look forward to talking to you next week.